This podcast is brought to you by Scribe, a financial content agency. Just because your financial company and what you do is complex doesn't mean your content marketing has to be. Scribe produces blogs, articles, website and product copy, ebooks, pitch decks, and white papers for everyone from late stage fintech startups to the world's biggest banks and financial brands. Visit us at the Scribe Online. That's www.thescri.be. This is Stream It or Leave It. I like it a lot. Looking for something to watch? You have my undivided attention. We break down the best of streaming TV. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So you can stop scrolling and press play. We talk, we hook up, I smoke them up, we watch TV. It's great. Tune in each week for our take. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now, action. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. And don't call me Shirley. Two in one. Welcome to Stream It or Leave It with Matt, Jeff, and me, Shindy, where each week we will pick one streaming film or television series and we'll tell you whether it's worth those valuable minutes of your life or not. The show is broken up into two segments. Part one is a no spoiler zone where we'll give you an idea of how we're all feeling, what we thought, and then we'll give you a spoiler alert warning before we head into part two, which is our deep dive. So this week, our feature series is HBO Max's How To with John Wilson. And according to IMDb, it is uh, about an anxious New Yorker who attempts to give everyday advice while dealing with his own personal issues. <laughs> I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know. What do you guys think about that IMDb <laughs> synopsis? Is that accurate? Kind of accurate? I've got a better elevator pitch. Yeah, what no. is it? Woody Allen is a millennial documentarian with genuine empathy, filming a choose-your-own-adventure series. <laughs> oh, I like that. Choose-your-own-adventure. That's I, I, I like that part. That's very good. That's definitely better than the IMDb synopsis. And also, I think, more accurate because with his own personal issues, I don't know so much that we learned so much about John Wilson himself. So first impressions, we're entering our spoiler-free zone. So, Jeff, you can go first this week. What was your general one minute or so first impression of this whole series? Yeah, I think it's got a lot of empathy. I think it's really funny, a really funny show, an ironic show you know, intentionally ironic. It's interesting that it sort of kicks off with, you know, as a, as a series sort of like aimed to people who live in New York City. But all of the things, of course, that he ends up talking about are so common to everybody, not even in New York City. But I think it's kind of cool to have the insights into what it's like being in New York City for everybody who who's wondering. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt, what did you think? Yeah, it's universal. It's a, you get a lot of universal humanistic things out of it. I think that was interesting that you mentioned about people who are not from New York, because I think it's a great counterpoint to Sex and the City and Friends. It shows you, you know, the real New York. And for someone like me, who's got a love-hate, slightly more hate <laughs> relationship with New York, it's fun to see someone showing that side. And it's just amazing to me that there's still new stories and new things to be shown of New York City. You'd imagine by now, and then you get this little guy who's finding all these things and then pulling out these universal narratives out of it. I think it's just brilliant. It's one of my favorite shows of the last year. And uh, it brought me a lot of joy. And I'm glad we're spreading the word. Nice. I agree with you guys. This was definitely a show that resonated with me. I was able to take a look at my city through his lens 
and you get the glorified New York that you see in rom-coms where everything's beautiful and they've color corrected the Central Park and they've color corrected like Madison Square Park and all those dingy, dirty elements of New York are completely whitewashed out. So this was a really accurate portrayal of what New York is like for many people who live there. Truthfully, I mean, he, he really went around, shared all of the great things and some bad things about the city. And it was it was very accurate. And I felt like it, it was we've talked before on this show about how sex in the city the apartments and also the apartment in friends it's just not into it's not accurate it's not real life so this was a great representation of how quirky the city is and how you you'll see things that you never see anywhere else in the world in new york city and from 10 years of living there the city surprises you every day you do have a love-hate relationship with it so we also i don't know matt if you want to talk about this but this isn't a new show this show aired, I think, well, actually, I don't remember what the release date was. I don't know, Matt, if you have that. I think it was last year, uh, middle of last year, I believe. I know, it was last year. I think it was like maybe at the beginning, around like summertime. And I remember watching this. This was one of those shows that kind of saved me during the lockdown. So, yeah, it is not a new show. And we don't always have to pick viral or trending new shows because we like to introduce you guys, our audience, to hidden gems within all of your streaming services. And so hopefully we're bringing this one back to you for consideration and make it worth some of the hard-earned money that you are paying for all of your streaming services. So yeah, this is this is one that we uncovered and wanted to talk about because it is so unique. So with that, we will go. Uh, the spoiler-free zone is ending, and here's your spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen this series, then now is probably the time to go back and watch it and then come back for a discussion. So now that we're here, we can talk about how this show even came to be. So I know, Matt, that you've done some research on the origin story of this show and how John Wilson ended up with like an HBO Max television series all about this. So maybe you want to shed some light on how this all came to be. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting. Uh, this show just kind of started bubbling up for me around the, the end of last year. Uh, there was a lot of a couple of features done about it. And I thought, who is this John Wilson? And it's funny how these great shows just kind of come and just rise to the surface. And yeah, and, and, you, and you look at it and you realize this is a guy who's obsessed with documenting the city. And how does that get onto HBO? It's interesting because it, it's something like one of the episodes where a coincidence really took it there. He was making his own little short videos for, I think it was on Vimeo. And he's saying it would take a year to do a 10 minute video. He was doing it on the side, he used to work for a private eye. And that's what he says gave him the, this little insight. He'd have to look through hours of footage and find relevant things. So that gave him those skills, he says. So anyway, some of these videos that he put on Vimeo went viral, including one where I think he can't release it legally because of some copyright reasons. But uh, Nathan Fielder, who is a bit of a comedy genius from Nathan For You from Comedy Central, had seen these videos. And then uh, he just ran into him in a restaurant in Chinatown and they just got talking. And, uh, and then he said, oh, you know, I think HBO might be interested. And apparently John Wilson correctly thought it might be a prank until the moment he walked into the meeting, he thought this can't be real. And uh, and it took, you know, God bless him. It's a, what, what a gamble to take, you know, on a guy who films rats in New York City and who can string uh, some poetry out of it. And bless him, they did it. And it's and grateful for it. You mean rats 
Literally. Yeah. Sometimes rats can be people too. Cause you said he was like, I'm working for a PI. That's fascinating. I actually didn't know that backstory. And then the funny thing is, you know, you've gone from producing, spending one year for a 10 minute episode and you're going to produce a season of 25 minute episodes. So he recruited an army of people to go around shooting what most people would call B-roll, but for him is A-roll just go around the city and he gave him a little style bible this is what i look for this is how i shoot come and watch me for a couple of days and then they just gathered hours of footage and i cannot imagine what it was like to you know itemize and uh categorize all this material literally and poetically categorized <laughs> and then crazy added product process i'm sure yeah exactly yeah, categorizing catalog at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I can't even imagine the amounts of footage and, and it kind of goes into the creative process, right? So, because I'm so curious and if we get John Wilson on this show, I would love to ask him. It's kind of like a chicken and egg scenario. It's like, did the, did the footage, well, the footage obviously came, but then... At what point did you match it with your script? Because it doesn't seem like he has a dedicated or fixed script. It just He writes something by the time it's all edited together. But I would love to know how he just makes everything come together. Because as we know, the show, despite what the titles of each episode are, he goes down quite a lot of rabbit holes within each episode. With that, with each episode, I think our favorites, we can talk about our fave episode as a group. So Matt... Which would you say was your favorite episode? Well, I think uh, coming from what you're saying about how the episodes come together, I think uh, as writers, I think we all find it quite ingenious how he connects things and it goes from one thing to another. It's like writing a story, it's telling a story. And I think one of the ones that did that the best for me, and they're all brilliant, but I love the how to cover your furniture. I thought that was just a perfect 24 minutes of television. I love the journey of the episode, all the characters he brought in. So he had some just pretty wild thematic associations that went from furniture to how we control public spaces, which was just a really interesting thing to look at. And into the lady who keeps the Louboutins in a box, to his buddy who got stuck in the car wash, to the guy who would tug in the foreskin. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it was a mind-blowing thing. And then it was just so well designed. It ended with an amazing punchline. It had an interior designer who, who starts to analyze him and how he uses a camera to hide himself, to protect himself. <laughs> it was just brilliant. What Did you guys like that one? I loved that episode. I loved that episode. That, that wasn't my favorite, but I thought that it was probably my second favorite. And I agree. I think that the word that kept coming to me as I was watching this whole series was that he's like a modern day social anthropologist. He goes through and he analyzes people's behaviors and luckily he captures it all in film. But I loved the journey of that episode because it was like a commentary ultimately on like materialism and anxiety over our possessions. And it got really deep despite the fact that the title is like how to cover your furniture. But I couldn't believe the lady who kept her shoes in the box. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Like I that was amazing. I know. It's it's like why not wear them? And the husband, you'd expect the husband to be going like, oh, this lady is crazy. But the husband was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we're protecting it. Right. He was cool. He was like, I mean, I, I've got pairs. Why would you want to wear it? <laughs> right. It's like I've got pairs of those too, and I wear them. Like I, I just don't understand why. But it just seemed like such an interesting, she's like, oh, people come over and they can look at it and it's a nice conversation piece. 
I was like, "What are you talking about?" That was so funny. Well, we're talking about it, so yeah, it is a conversational. That's true, but like, if I ever, if you ever walk into somebody's house and you see a pair of Louboutins in a in a glass box that's never worn, first of all, I think they're insane, a little like batshit crazy. But it's like a, to covet something like that is like, do you not have anything else that's roughly like a thousand dollars with that, Jeff? Jeff, Jeff, I'm curious, Jeff, do you protect anything? Do you cover anything in your house? Do you do you have Matrix action figures still in their package? No. What's your attitude um, on all that? Yeah, I think I think that that was probably my favorite uh, episode as well because it was sort of like leading into how we protect things, and in some ways we protect the wrong things. You know, like it's sort of this misplacing of affection. There we go. Yeah, and value, and so yeah, value. Does this count? <laughs> it's an AirPods cover. That doesn't, that doesn't count. <laughs> for the people who are listening to this, it, it, this is a cover for for an AirPod charger, which obviously your AirPods already have their own case. But this is a case yeah. for the AirPods case. What else? Anything else? Your favorite for you? I also liked uh, how to make small talk, and and that particularly was the the spring break scene at the end where he comes on the kid that he runs into a couple of different times, and uh, yeah. Ultimately, he sort of like gets him to sort of open up, which is sort of the skill in all of these episodes that John Wilson sort of gets people to reveal themselves in ways that you might normally not if you were making small talk and how he shares about his friend's suicide uh, about a month before he had come to spring break. So I just thought that that was sort of like, you know, it made me want to watch the rest of the series for sure. I think that was a really good it's a theme throughout the whole series is yeah, is, I, I is getting past the veneer getting past the plastic protection open up and getting into you know sort of like <laughs> like see nice. it you know nice way to connect it all together actually i didn't even think about that but that's not the last episode actually but your favorite episode was my favorite episode or sorry, um, the, that episode you mentioned, How to Make Small Talk, mm -hmm. so we had a few similarities there. I thought it was a great opener for the series because, and actually I didn't watch that one first. When, by the time I discovered this series, I think I started on scaffolding, which was episode two, oh. how to put up scaffolding. Because I was just like, oh, okay, there's, there's some episodes here and I'll just pick one and go with it. Because I thought maybe... I wanted to just bypass whatever the pilot might be, oh. but I'm so glad when I went back to watch the pilot that it was. It was just a fascinating entry into what the whole series was about, and I loved in how to make small talk. I think for me, it was he does this a lot throughout the series, where it's like those abstract accompanying images with the script, and so it's abstract, but it's satirical. And so, like you'll you know maybe he's got somebody who's he's talking about who's busy, and then. It's just random. Like it's a woman hula hooping on the street talking on the phone at the same time. And then he's talking about like the other one where he's talking about how to split a check. Oh, I love that one. That little scene where it just builds and builds. It's like first it's two people, then it's three. And he's he's shooting signs in New York City of like restaurants that are like one, one guy, then two guy, then three. <laughs> and then the just behavior of people and their faces, the way they change, like the annoyance factor. It's really like a interesting behavioral um, study on human behavior. You so, could do a whole movie on that. I mean, the fact that you can catch yeah. people in these private public moments where they're dealing with 
something so personal as, you know, the check and the financial, you know, dimension of all of that. And you can be outside shooting into a restaurant and catching all of this perfectly legally. You can make a movie out of it. I mean, the footage that he has in an episode is some of my favorite footage, like the guy who takes 20 things out of his pocket before finding his wallet. Yeah. There's another one where there's a, a guy in a lady, the check arrives, and the guy goes, oh, I got to take this call. And the lady <laughs> looks at the camera, starts shaking her head. Like, he always does this. I can't I, believe it. I remember it. that too. Some, and and the, the bearded guy, the bearded guy who appears to go into an existential crisis and is just there, sitting there for 10 minutes, just pondering about his life after the check <laughs> arrives and the, the choices he has made. It's brilliant. The guy who gives those nasty stank eyes at his friend who's sitting there like meticulously calculating the bill and he's sitting here getting really annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> because you're right, it goes down that rabbit hole where he's whisked away. He's go to Cancun and then it's like the MTV spring break. Totally unexpected. And then it comes full circle with him getting the download from the one friend he makes there. Interesting so point on it's, this. It's a Interesting point on this. He talks about how people always stop him, on, John Wilson, how people stop him on the street. They'll say, there's no way you just ran into that kid and this happened. There's no way you just ran into that guy in the supermarket and he happened to be going to the Mandela thing. And he goes, well, I did, but you haven't seen the, the footage about of the thousands of times I speak to somebody and nothing comes off it. <laughs> it's just, it's a numbers game. I thought that also in How to Make Small Talk, it's fascinating, the, the other random rabbit holes when he chats up the, the predator or like the predator catcher and nothing happens. But how weird, it's almost as weird as him running into the Mandela effect guy. Like how, if anything, this show proved to me, there are some, I mean, there we know that there's crazy people out there, but... People are strange. And interesting. Any hangups? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Strange. Different. Stranger not than fiction. Not necessarily like a, not, yeah, not in a negative context, but you know, it's a very diverse, big, wide world out there. And so New York is, is such a wonderful backdrop for this show because I just, that was a question I had for you guys was whether this show, uh, I don't know that it could present human behavior in such a great way had it not been in shot in New York City. So did you guys have any hangups with any particular? Was there an episode that seemed quite, you know, just not as good as the others to you? Or was there a specific event in like a, an episode that was just kind of like a question mark or hang up for you? I've got nothing. I just I, the only thing that I, the only fear that I have is that. And, you know, I wanted to ask you guys as well is the fear that it might get overdone. It's like, how many times do we think you can do this before it becomes done and it needs to move to something else? You know, it's a very particular combination of quirkiness and, and freewheeling, which after a while might not feel that natural. It might feel forced. So that's my only kind of hang up, I guess, is the fear that as brilliant as this guy is, there's a short shelf life to this. There's a couple of seasons and then you probably have to go and do something else. Mm, yeah, possible. I don't know. Well, do you guys agree? Uh, yeah, and I know that he's um, signed on for season two, I think, right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah. Yeah, he's shooting through the pandemic season two. Yeah, he's yeah, been shooting through the pandemic. Today. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, well, maybe that's um, a good question for you guys. Did you guys have any hangups? Or we know that when he was finishing up the series, or, or at least we don't know if this is chronologically correct, but he finishes the series with the introduction of the pandemic and talking about his landlord. And, uh, and you know, randomly, again, the show title, the episode title is How to Make the Perfect Risotto. So completely, like, far from, <laughs> from what happens in the end. But I thought he introduced that so delicately with everything that was going on. And by the time you watch this, or for me at least, when I was watching that during the pandemic, it was so sad. 
And so like it brought to close to home, like the shit that we're actually, that we were going through at that time. And it was tough because this is New York. And then this is a show about New York and everybody going batshit crazy, like bonkers. So I don't know. (laughs) Like I I was thinking in watching that episode that how, how he revealed the pandemic coming in was a lot how it actually felt, you know, it's sort of like was this ramp up to to initial panic through everybody, not everybody wearing masks, you know, but standing in these long, huge lines together. I remember, I don't know, as soon as, you know, because Jill works at Trader Joe's. So as soon as they were sold out of toilet paper, I had to go to another grocery store for something else. And, you know, almost instantly overnight, there were like lines around the entire store. So it was just a, a really strange moment and i think he captured it really well right i actually think that's one of the best i mean you don't want to watch anything about a pandemic but i think in terms of how he introduced it and captured it it was delicately done and well done so yeah in terms of wild card topics i can go first i guess with the wild card topic i loved the accompanying music to the the series oh yeah I just thought that it was, I'm pretty sure that it was original, but I'm wondering if he had a hand in any of this and, or obviously if he had like a composer or somebody who was making original music, because it was kind of like that modeled after recognizable TV shows where you have like the stereotypical kind of music to accompany certain scenes, but then just also comical where after a certain amount of time, it's like that trumpet that's like, wah, wah. <laughs> Or, you know, just funny. I just thought that it just, it went well with the series, with each episode. And so I thought that that was really well done, how they edited the music and actually just the original music in general. So I don't well, I know. Just if found, guys... I just found a Spotify playlist of the soundtrack for the show. Oh, wow. Who's it by? <laughs> it's a bunch of different people. Candy Carousel by Tony Kinsey. There's a Does dunk- it look like it's original? No, right? It's not for... I don't think it's for, for it. the, yeah, all of these. Oh, no way. All of these look. Well, I wonder if there were sound effects, because I felt like there were definitely some sound effects yeah. involved. There was some so trippy whatever. stuff, some kind of bleepy, yeah. trippy, weird stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, you're right. It, gave, it added to the atmosphere. It was very well put together. Yeah. No yeah. doubt about that. Matt, did you have any, like, wild card or random things that stuck out to you? No, I just, I just, I kept trying to think, what does this remind me of? And there's lots of comparisons, and Jeff did a great job, and Planet Earth, New York is what John Wilson himself calls it. Uh, it just kept, it reminded me of Borat, you know, you've got this kind of innocent-seeming character <laughs> who, who by his... By his approach, you know, people get comfortable and, and reveal themselves in ways which you wouldn't normally get. And then you mold that kind of comedy into some just some brilliant observations of humanity. Uh, and I think that's, that's kind of what I came to. As you said, it's some kind of anthropological study of New York. And I just think, and like Sasha Baron Cohen, it looks simple, but it's, I think he's quite brilliant, you know, just all the associations he does not just the images to the to the script and just the, the, the thematic associations from an episode and how carefully he brings out things in people and how quick-witted he is as well. You'll notice that there's times when he's interviewing somebody and he's manning the camera and then he on the spot he'll film something that will just spot up the side of his field of vision 
and it fits brilliantly. And then he goes back to the person he's talking to. He's just clearly very good. He's clearly very uh, <laughs> a very smart guy. Yeah, it, it reminded me in it reminded me in some ways his style uh, reminded me a little bit of Errol Morris's early work. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen some of his stuff from the 70s but and 80s, but he just let people talk. There's almost no interference or narrative coming from the camera, even though he strung it together and edited it together to tell a story. Hmm. But there's there's no judgment coming out of the camera. All the judgment's coming from you. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah all the judgment's coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> point yeah it's true yeah because john is as is a listener which um, yeah people should just do more of in general these days is just listen and be kind without judgment and yeah what do you think that these people would say if we look we couldn't get john we couldn't get john wilson on here but if we could get one of his victims on what do you think they'll say they'll think oh my god that was so embarrassing they'll go oh yeah that's that was cool. Yeah, that's what it's like. Oh, my God. The yeah, dude with the circumcision machine. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? The, he and then he, was, give a he shit. had the music. He had, like, the... <laughs> his oh. whole... Oh, my God. What was that about? He had a song... <laughs> Like a jingle to go with his anti-circumcision. <laughs> I didn't like, even get a Whoa. chance to talk about this for my favorite episode. That's how packed that episode was. How about when he's... And I was talking about how quick he is. How about when the guy is just lying down naked on his bed... And he decides to just ask him about what have you watched lately? Was... And they just start having small talk about movies <laughs> while the guy's got his ding dong out. And he's just with white socks and he's just talking casually about how brilliant Parasite was. I thought that was genius. Oh, God. I just thought that, yeah, there was no warning to that. And as I was watching it again, it's like he, one minute the dude's preparing grapefruit soda. Yeah. And I think it was his daughter who was sitting there. And then. Without any warning, next thing you know, he's naked on his bed with his with his like schlong hanging out, and tethered to his machine. And again, it's like, wow, people do the darndest things, including make these machines and jingles that go with the machines. It's like, wow, amazing. So, so and when he zoomed into the daughter and the daughter doesn't react, it was just like, yeah, you just you can feel the embarrassment, like the guy saying, anybody else want a drink? And he just zooms to the daughter and he's completely silent. And you just think, oh, yeah. this daughter must be mortified because her dad is about to show his ding dong again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel for her. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, shut She's up just about like, it. wow. Oh, God. Poor girl. So, in summary, I think we all enjoyed this. And so, our recommendation, well, mine is to stream it. Jeff? Stream it. Matt? Absolutely, stream it. Nice. And so we usually, yeah, I, I, we loved it. Looking forward to season two. And hopefully we might be able to get John on one of these days to talk about the process and maybe gab with us on something else he's watching. Which leads us to the last part of the show where we always like to check in with each other and ask about what else we're watching. So this could be anything in our canon of streaming platforms. So Jeff, I'll ask you first what else did you manage to watch recently i just ordered 15 hours of joseph campbell's mythos uh which was produced back in um uh, and i th i think it's it well it's hosted by susan sarandon and um it was released in 99 2000 and then the third volume came in 2011 so i don't know why it took that long 
to do volume three. Wait a second. Well, I don't know anything about this show. It says the first one was 1985. Is it that old? Well, the original lecture series was in 1985. And then I think that they, what they did was after he passed, they, they collected all of this footage and then um, sort of colorized some of the images and made some, you know, like cooler graphics (laughs) to go along with the talks. Mm. But I love Joseph Campbell. I love his take on mythology. And I, I just am, I think I'm on the fourth episode so far. And it's just, if you're interested in anything of a mystical or mythological nature, and I like how he ties mythology to mysticism in particular. So yeah, it's really good. Very interesting. No, it's not. I'm not sure why you're interested in this. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like You know, it's something to do. Uh, <laughs> nice. Sounds really interesting. Sounds amazing, though. Um, Sounds amazing. Matt, what else are I'll you check, watching? I'll check it out. Well, I've been watching, I've been lucky enough to be able to watch a few things, but uh, for you guys who have loved CB Strike, I thought I'd mention a little British series called Line of Duty, which is available on Amazon Prime Video. It's, uh, I was uh, feeling a little ill last week, so I decided to take a dive into one of my guilty pleasures, and uh, I've been slowly watching this a season at a time. I'm on season three, the season, the six seasons, and it's, you know, it's a police corruption thriller, six episodes, like a British series. Each season is like one storyline, but they they, they do evolve together over time so it's quite satisfying you've got short story arcs and bigger story arcs along the way and it's you know once you get past this slightly kind of british televisual production values it's actually it always catches me and it's like really intricately plotted some uh, great characters some great reversals and reveals it's a really great little show it always amazes me how 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 compelling it is and uh, i can't wait to, to finish it but i'm going slowly very cool I just pulled it up on IMDb. It, it sounds right up my alley, and I already see two actresses whom I love. Um, Kelly McDonald, who's the actress from Train Spotting, or she was introduced in that movie, and then Keely Hawes. Love her. She's in The Bodyguard. Yes. Yeah, and then she's in. She's been in a lot recently. I, I didn't know. I wasn't familiar with her as an actress and her body of work, really, until she has done more stuff you know, on Netflix and The Bodyguard. And she's in the PBS show, The Durrells. I think it's called, the full name is like The Durrells by the Sea. I have to look it up. So anyway, that sounds fascinating. She's got a great character Very in this cool. series. Uh, yeah, give it a go. But, but you know, be patient with it because... Uh, okay. After you watch it, you realize, well, how did he do this? How is this not a massive American TV show? It's quite Mm, brilliant. Cool. I'll check it out. So for me, oh, and also I forgot to mention when you guys were talking about how to with John Wilson, if it reminded you of anything else. The only thing I can think of is that documentary from 1998 called The Cruise. It's a black and white documentary. It is so good. It's narrated by this guy, very quirky, like John Wilson. His name is Timothy Speed Levitch. He is so like, I think I watched this when I was in college or something like that. And I watched it so many times because I knew I wanted to live in New York. And so he has a passion for the city. He's a gray line, like a cruise, like announcer. So he knows the city inside and out, but he's also super quirky. 
and he's funny and he does he has that like passion so he's observing the city going around but that's i think what most reminded me of how to with john wilson when i was when i was watching that so in terms of what else i mean yeah it's, it's it's so brilliant and it's one of those like hidden true hidden gems um i'm been dabbling around this week haven't really stuck to any particular film or tv series i started i tried to start modern romance season three and so that's the Aziz Ansari series on Netflix, and I'm in episode one. Master of None. Sorry, <laughs> Master of None. His book is Modern Romance. Aziz Ansari. That's right. Yeah, yeah. sorry, I mixed the two. So Master of None, I wrote down in my notes, Modern Romance, but yeah. So this season is a little different because it's not Dev's arc. It's about his friend. And so she's in upstate New York living with her partner, and they, and I guess the the arc of the show this season is about how their relationship is working. And I guess they try to have a family. And so I'm not sure if I'll stick around to it because episode one is, is um, it's, it's different. It's not like seasons one and two. So I'd stick with it. I liked it. I, yeah. I'm on episode four, I think. And oh, it's, yeah? it's, it's, okay. it's got a similar, it's, you can tell that it's from the same people because it's got a similar kind of vibe and a similar way of going about it. It's not as quirky because you don't have the, the same kid. It's a different right. vibe, but it's, it's, it's good. I liked it. Okay, cool. Give it another go. And I'm, st- I'm still behind on Master oh. of None. Jill and I just started watching oh, yeah. it for the first time. It's a good time. show. The first season is fun. Last week, too. I love so. Wow. That's yeah, actually, really speaking good. of New York, that is another fantastic show. That right. If you live in, well, if you're familiar with like the Lower East Side, East Village, and also parts of Brooklyn, if you're kind of wanting to explore, if you just look at season one of Master of None, all of the places that they go is so fun. And it there are some of the places that I've been to, and it's so, it's truly, you go and have a drink, have a great time with some of your good friends, and you always come back with some memories, great conversation, that kind of stuff. So he picked some really great places, and I think they were personally his favorite dive bars, restaurants as well. I think. And then the only other thing, yeah. No, I think it's when you see Dev in season three of Master of Known, I think he has gone from living in that New York to living in John Wilson's New York. <laughs> I don't know if you mm. noticed, Dev mm. in season three is, uh, is in a different place, but uh, I won't spoil it for He's in a different Jeff. place. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's um, <laughs> almost a bit of like art imitating life when you think yep. about what's, yep. what he's gone through in the past, like personally yep. for Aziz Ansari, what he, he's gone through, and he had that big comedy special after that mm-hmm. whole thing. So yeah, anyway, good point. I, I do love him. I love him as an actor and as a comedian. And then the only other thing I watched was the Friends reunion, which I have interest, you know, I have, we're going to discuss that in an upcoming stream it or leave it. So I will leave it at that. <laughs> and I will share any of I'm going to be very- Stream it, but we're going to leave it. <laughs> well, I'm going to be very poker faced about the Friends reunion because I know that we're talking about that soon. So- Great. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for listening. That was fun. Yeah, we'll be back soon with another episode of Stream It or Leave It. Thanks, everybody. That's our show. Are you not entertained? What did you think? Pretty, pretty good. Don't forget to subscribe and find, like, and follow us on social and on YouTube. We don't have faces for radio. Promise. You can't handle the truth. You can also find our show notes on Substack at Stream It or Leave It. See you next time. And thanks for tuning in.